opening Bibles this morning to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Joe, you can turn me down just a little bit. Yep. Hebrews chapter 5, this morning on page 1003. The Bible is in front of you. I'm going to begin reading the 11th verse of chapter 5, and we're going to read down into chapter 6 as well. So you follow along as I begin reading. Hebrews 5, 11 begins like this. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instructions about washings and laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and that have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding Christ up to contempt. For the land that has broke the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whom Satan is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if that land bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and in its end is to be burned. Though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown in his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed for those who hear it and obey. Amen. Amen. We are now well into the Hebrews series. The theme has been we're being warned. Warned about some of the dangers of the Christian life, some of the things that we need to be aware of so that we don't make the same mistakes that others have made. We need to take these warnings seriously. Not to just hear them and, yeah, 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 I know I need to do this, but to not do them. These are serious warnings. So let me tell you this morning, if you think I'm talking about you, you're probably right. Because this is a sermon this morning that no one can walk out and say, you know what, that had nothing for me. He was talking to other people, but that, that, none of that applies to me. This sermon applies to each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. So pay attention this morning to hear what God has to say to you 
out of this text this morning. The writer begins by stating a problem. Did you see what it was? He said, first of all, he said, we got some things we'd like to say here, but it wouldn't do any good because you're dull of hearing. You ever been talking to somebody? You realize this is going nowhere. They're not listening to me. Right? They're not even paying attention. Well, the writer says, it's not that they weren't paying attention, but they're hearing it become dull. They lost their sensitivity. But it was worse than that. He said, you still need to be taught. You've reached a point in your life where you should be able to teach, but you still need to be taught yourself. He's not talking about people that we saw last week. Remember, people who think they're Christians, but they're just fooling themselves. This week he's talking to believers who have reached a point in their life where they just stopped growing. It isn't that they've convinced themselves that they're saved when they're not. If they convince themselves that they're good enough in their faith. They're mature enough. I've grown to the point where, you know what, I don't need to worry about that stuff anymore. There are stages of growth that happen in life. There is a definite progression to growth. And if we stay at one stage and we don't move to the next, then we stop growing. We see this with children. We watch their growth and we monitor that to make sure that babies are growing appropriately. Because if they're not growing, it's a sign that something's wrong. You don't just look at a baby that's not growing and say, ah, it's not a big deal. That's a huge deal. Because if a baby is healthy, it will grow. Well, the same is true in our spiritual lives. And to, to illustrate this point, he uses one illustration, the illustration of food. He said, at a time when you ought to be eating solid food, you're having milk. And everyone knows that babies can't handle solid food. Now, everyone knows that babies can eat solid food. But they can't handle it. What does that mean? Oh, you can put it in their mouth and it go down. But it's coming back up. Because they can't handle it. Their stomachs have not matured to the point, and you would not give a newborn a steak. But there's a time in a child's life when you say, you know what? The milk worked. You've grown to the point, you've matured to the point, now you need some more solid food. The writer says to them in the text, you know what, you still need milk. Now I want you to listen to me. If someone were to come up to you today and say, yeah, you can't handle solid food, you're a big baby, you need milk. You would not take that positively, would you? Can you imagine if we had our fellowship time after church? And I understand that. I'm like you. You have a piece of cake. What goes good with a piece of cake? Milk. Ice cream. Okay. 
That's not what I'm talking about. What happens if you're standing around talking in, in church here after service and then you wander back to fellowship hall and you look and everybody's got a piece of cake with a big pie? You stop and you. <laughs> what are all these adults doing with baby bottles? You'd say that doesn't look right. Something's wrong here. But we can be in here and be spiritual babies and go in that tonight. It would seem strange to us to be in fellowship hall with everybody in a little binky. Mary comes running up to you and hands you a baby bottle. Here you go. <laughs> you would not take that favorably. But in here, we are spiritually immature. We are babies and we're perfectly content with it. It doesn't even phase us. We're drinking from our spiritual baby bottles, our little sippy cups, and we're fine with it. There's some shaming going on here. The writer is saying, by now you ought to have grown up. But you haven't. But it's an even bigger problem. Not just that we haven't grown up spiritually, it's that we don't even care to grow up spiritually. You see, when we were children, remember how much time we spent as children just saying, man, I wish I was older. I wish I was bigger. We look at the bigger kids, we were always wishing we were older because there were always more things that we could do when we were, now we look back and say, well, I wish I was younger. Right? But when we're, when we're young, we want to grow up. We want to mature because with that maturity comes more privileges. But there's a vicious cycle that we see in our lives. We are immature, so we're not growing, and because we're not growing, we stay immature. We don't do those things that lead to maturity. We just are stuck there. But what's the problem with not growing? Many of us, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. So I'm not growing up as, as much. I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm not going to be a pastor. Why do I need to grow up? That's the way we think. Maybe not consciously, but by our attitudes and our actions, it's like, hey, this is good enough. But this problem of not growing reveals something about our hearts. Stick with me. There is a danger that if we are not growing and we don't care about growing, maybe we are Christians. Maybe we don't have the life of God within us. But either way, it's not good. My dad used to always say, when you have a baby who won't eat, he said, there's only two problems. Either that baby is sick, or that baby's dead. Otherwise, babies are hungry, and they want it. What is wrong in our lives that we don't want to grow spiritually? Is it because we're sick or because we're dead? We need to look this morning and see what God's Word has to say about this. What are the causes of this problem? 
He talks about the, the fact that they're sluggish in chapter 6, verse 12. He said they're sluggish. I don't know about you, but I am sluggish almost every day. When I get up in the morning, right, it takes a while to get everything moving, get everything going. We're, we're not running on all eight cylinders first thing. It takes us a while to get moving. That's understandable because it's the start of a new day and we're just waking up. But how many of us stay in that state of sluggishness on spiritual? Just lacking that real drive. That, right? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, I gotta give you credit, man. I'm telling you, you're 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 just a sluggish person. That's not praise. Man, that's not a compliment. You would look at him and say, Well, thank you, I'm glad you know this. Right? Nobody wants to be thought of as sluggish. And yet, when you look at your spiritual life, are you thriving? Are you growing? Are you sluggish? Are you dull in hearing? Are you insensitive to what God is saying? You know what it's like, those of you that are teachers, if you're sitting there teaching and the, the students are dull of hearing and they're sluggish, they're not motivated, Right? They're looking out the window, they're going all this other thing, right? It's difficult to get the message through. How many times have you been in church and the preacher's barely gotten up and started talking and your mind is already off one? Because you're sluggish. You're not in tune. You don't want this. You're here, but it's not really, you're not engaged. You're not there with, the, with your book open, ready to learn. Teachers have a problem teaching when people are not motivated, when students are, are sluggish. It's like a kid playing a video game. You ever had this? Kids over there just engrossed in the video game. You call his name, Johnny. Johnny! Nothing. Right? You go over there, you're right next to him, waving your hands and what? Tuned out. <coughs> That's not really true. They're not tuned out as much as they're tuned in to that game. We are so tuned in to other things that we tune God out. We're sluggish when it comes to hearing God because we're so in tune with the world. Listen to me this morning. I love new Christians. I love people who are excited about the faith. Who will come up and say, Pastor, I was reading the Bible, and I don't know what that means. Can you tell me what that means? That was a hunger. That's a desire on their part to grow and to learn. And I love when you see that, because it's evidence of life. Why don't they know the answer to the question that they're asking me? Because they're new in the faith. They don't know. They just started this journey. How would it be if I looked at them? What was wrong? You stupid or something? How come you don't know that? You'd say, Pastor, they're 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 babies. How could they know? They need to be taught. And how many of us have been in the church for many years, and we still don't know the answer to these basic questions? Not because we're new in the faith, but just because we've reached the point where I don't know. And I don't care to know. 
this morning. How many of you, raise your hand if you want, don't raise your hand. How many of you honestly say this word? You know what? I don't know the faith like I should. It's not I don't know the faith as well as somebody else. I don't know the faith as well as I should. Right? That's a good acknowledgement. But how many of you can honestly say, yeah, I don't know what I should, and I mean five years ago I didn't know what I should have done, and I've done nothing about it. That's comfortably immature. That's sluggish and okay being sluggish. Right? If you put this in the context of your job, if you went in and just, just showed up on Sunday, uh, work on Monday like you do on Sunday, maybe you're there, maybe you're not, but don't ask me to do anything. I'll just be here. Wait till your performance review comes around and the boss says, I gotta admit, you're here all the time. We don't see much of what you do, but you're here all the time. So I'm getting raised. No, you wouldn't expect the raise, would you? Just for showing up, but not doing anything. And yet, how many of us are comfortably showing up Sunday after Sunday, not growing, not doing anything? But if somebody were to ask you, I'm a good person. Really? When did becoming a good Christian mean doing nothing? Staying sluggish, stuck where you are. When did that become what a good Christian is? The writer goes on, though. He's talking about growth. This maturity that happens. The reason why we're here where we are today is often because we misunderstand the process. With a baby, the process of growing isn't really complicated. Even they grow. Right? Unless they're sick, unless there's something wrong, you put food in, they get bigger. You don't feed a baby and say, I hope it grows. I hope it grows. I hope it works. Food in, it grows. It happens naturally. Oftentimes what happens, there's a misunderstanding when it comes to the spiritual stuff, though, because we just think, if I come to church, I'll grow. I don't have to do anything, it'll just happen naturally. The next question. How many of you have been sitting around waiting for it to happen and they can happen? You know what I'm talking about? Week after week, month after month, year after year, we're coming to church, we're sitting, we're waiting for some growth to happen, but it just ain't happen. Why is that? Because that's not how it works. Growth spiritually is not just automatic. There has to be something more to it. At this point, what we normally do, yeah, 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 I know I'm not mature spiritually like I should be. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray more, I'm going to read my Bible more, and I'm going to go to church more. There you go. That'll fix it. That'll make me more mature. Only problem is, these resolutions become like New Year's resolutions, and we may do them for a short period of time, but we don't stick with it. You know why? Because we're too immature to stick with it. 
You see how the vicious cycle keeps going? We don't grow because we're not growing. We don't grow because we don't do the things that lead to growth. So this morning, though, instead of me just giving you, okay, here's what you need to do. Instead of me just giving you three steps to spiritual growth that we won't do anyway, let's attack this problem from a different direction as well. Instead of focusing on what we should be doing to grow, let's focus on what growth looks like. What's the goal this morning? Well, preacher, that's a dumb question. The goal is to be mature. To grow up. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Let us go on to maturity. Yeah, but what does that look like? What will we look like as we start growing up? When we mature physically, there are things that you can see in a child that tell you this child is growing. Their bodies start changing. They, they get taller. They get bigger. There's definite changes that you can see that show that growth is happening. But what about spiritually? What can we look at in our spiritual lives that show us whether we're growing or not. Last week, remember, we looked at those people who fall away and we never see them again. We talked about what that means. Were they really Christians if they walk? No, no. If you walk away from it, you stay away. It shows you you're not really a Christian. Your life demonstrates that. If you want to avoid falling back, if you want to avoid falling away, make sure that you're seeing these things that grow in your life. Because it's impossible to fall away as you're moving forward. Are you with me? It's impossible to, to go forward while you're going backwards. It's impossible to be bad while you're living, while you're growing. What's the first thing that we need to see in our lives as evidence of growth? Look at verse 14 of chapter 5. He said, Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The first thing we need to see in our lives as we mature is we become better at discerning good from evil. Right. But how do we get better at discerning between right and wrong? We get better at it by trying to do it. Preacher, you're talking in circles here. How can we do something better that we don't know how to do? Think about it. You do it by trying. It might sound like we're talking in circles, but the best way to do almost anything in life better is to do it. And as you continue to do it, what happens? You get better at it. And that's what he says. They get better at discerning through practice. What's our problem? If we wait until we get better at doing it before we do it, we're never going to get better at doing it. Now, how do we normally deal with right and wrong issues? You know how we do it? We don't even think about it. You know what we do? What we want to do. Right? 
When was the last time you seriously stopped and looked at the things that you're doing in your life and asked yourself, should I be doing these things? Is this right or is this wrong? We just automatically assume if I'm doing it, it's right. And we don't even try to discern whether it's right or wrong or not. That's a sign of our immaturity. We don't even stop and say, what does God want me to do? But what are we supposed to do? He says, have their powers of discernment sharpened through practice. Do it again and again. Practice, practice, practice. What does the Bible say about this? Should I be watching this kind of television show? Should I be doing this on the internet? Should I be talking to that person this way? What does God's word say I ought to be doing? And you begin to hold up the yardstick, the measuring stick of what God says, and you and if you begin to start justifying what you're doing or rationalizing what you're doing, it's a sign of your immaturity. Why? Because as children, we're always, well, well Billy does it. And it's childish. We don't do things just because other people are doing it. We do things because they're right. And something doesn't become right just because other people are doing it. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, he says we are to train ourselves in godliness. And he actually says in 1 Timothy 4, he says bodily exercise profits very little. But spiritual exercise is good. How many of us will spend more time focused on our body than exercising our bodies than we will exercising the spiritual? It's more important to us how our body is functioning than how our spirit is functioning. The bottom line is, in the physical world, the rule is no pain. If you want growth, if you want to, to physically become stronger, you've got to push yourself. The same is true spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, then you need to push yourself to be better. Number two, not only are we to be discerners and to grow into becoming more discerning, we need to be imitators. Look at verse 11 in chapter 6. <laughs> Hebrews 6 11 says, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. If we're going to grow, we're going to start looking more like others. We need to imitate what others are doing. Bottom line, you want to grow, you want to be more mature, good. Start imitating the movers and the shakers, those who are doing it. <clears throat> if you look around and you look just like the other people who are sitting around doing nothing, it's because you're a sinner. You see, sinners aren't growing because if they were growing, they wouldn't be sinners. See, the, this goes hand in hand with the issue of discerning that we just talked about. You want to discern what is right from wrong, then watch what other people are doing in the church. Imitate those people who are growing. That's it. It shows us we can discern better. 
There's plenty of passages in, in the Bible where we're told to follow the example of godly people. Imitate them. Verse 11, he said, show earnestness. That's just the opposite of being sluggish, isn't uh, an earnest person is a diligent person. If somebody's working, they desire to get better. Look at your life. Which word better describes your spiritual life? Sluggishness or earnestness? Number three. If we're growing, not only will we become better at discerning, we'll become better imitators, we'll also become better workers. God, God did not pour the rain of His grace into our lives simply so we could just soak it up. <clears throat> Look at verse 10 of chapter 6. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. We are not saved by works, but if we are saved, we will definitely work. We are not saved by what we do, but if we are saved, if God has really given us life, we will do things for the Lord. We will work. And a large part of the work that we do is in serving others. Verse 10, the love that you have shown in serving the saints. As we begin to grow physically in the physical realm, what do our parents expect you to do? Expect you to do When your kids are growing, you expect them to help around the house more. Right? That kind of tough to get to do it, right? But it's an expectation. As you get older, you can do more. You can work more. Right? You don't expect a, a baby in a crib to do the dishes. But that baby gets older, she can help with the dishes, she can help with blowing the grass, or vice versa. Right, one or the other. They do something around that house. You want to grow? Then start working. You know how many times I hear people say, well, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to work in the church. Now, number one, that is an incredibly honest thing to say. Most people come in church, they don't know what needs to be done. But it's also an incredibly silly thing to say. I don't know what to do in the church. <laughs> no offense, but come on. It ain't rocket science here, folks. What we do here. How many things in your life that you do today, at one point in your life, you didn't know how to do it? You didn't know what needed to be done. Which is hard. Pretty much everything that we do, other than breathing, we had to be taught. We had to learn how to do it by doing it. You want to be more faithful in serving the Lord and working in the church? Here's what you do. Write this down. Find somebody in the church who's working and walk up to them and say, what you doing? Why are you doing that? And you know what happens when you walk up to somebody who's working in the church and say, what you doing? They'll tell you. They'll tell you what they're doing and why they're doing it. You want to know something? Ask. Oh. 
And there's another question you can ask while you're at it. Can I help? What do you think they're going to say? Why, no, you can't help. Go away. They're going to say, sure, roll up your sleeves. Do this. Because the person that you're talking to who's doing that is probably exactly, that's what he did years ago. And asking somebody what to do and how to do it. Right? And some of the things that we do is real complicated here. I'm telling you. Stacking chairs. Good stuff. Good stuff. We just have to actually put you through a six weeks training on how to stack chairs. Right? No. Stand right there. I'm going to hand you some chairs and put them in the rack there. Right? See those tables over there? We're going to put them up against the wall here. We're going to fold them up. Right? I think you've got to train it. Right? Get going. You want to know how work is done in the church? Ask. We'll tell you. And don't worry about us running out of work. Well, I don't want to take somebody's job away from them. Take it away. Let them. Help them. There's more work to be done in the church than we have workers to do it. Don't worry about it. You want to start growing, look to see if you're working more and more. If you're sitting in the church like you've been sitting for year after year after year, here's a rule. You ain't growing. Amen? He says, we desire that each of you would show this same earnestness. This working in the church, this growth is not just for some of us, it's for all of us. Do people in the church see you doing anything but sin? Honestly. If working in the church was a crime, most of us have nothing to worry about. We would be convicted. Alright? Does anybody in the church, do they see you working? Number four, quickly. Not only should we, when we're growing, will we become better at discerning right from wrong, we'll become imitators of those who are patient in their faith and, and growing, we'll be workers in the church, but finally we'll be teachers. Verse 12 of chapter 5, he says, By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need, But you need someone to teach you again. By now, you ought to be teachers. He doesn't say, you could be a teacher. He said, by now you ought to be. This is an expectation. Not all of us in the church are going to be formal teachers like I am. But you can teach. You can teach what we just talked about. Other people how to work in the church. You may not be a formal teacher where you've got a class, but you can teach other people about the things of faith that you've learned over the years. Can't you? By now, as we mature, we ought to be able to turn around and help others. But we're dull of hearing when it comes to listening to the teachers that God has placed in our lives. And if we are not listening to the teachers that God has placed in our lives, we ought not to expect to grow. Because we're ignoring one of the primary ways that God helps us to grow. Maturity can be encouraged. Growth can be expected, but it can't be forced on people. It's got to come from a desire where you want to do the things that lead to growth. Look at the number of people in the church who refuse to be part of the Bible studies. 
We'll all raise our hand and say, you know what? I know I don't know the Bible the way I should. And yet we won't attend Bible classes that will teach us the Bible better. How bright is that? If you decide not to study God's Word, you are deciding not to grow in your faith. Did you hear me? A decision to not be taught is a decision to not grow. We decide to stay immature because we decide not to do those things that lead to growth. Which is why I spent two days, three days last week, driving all the way to Southern Illinois so I could go to a two-day conference to learn about how to be a better pastor. Why? I know everybody just asked me. I've been doing this for a quarter century, and there's still some things I can do better. If you say it again right here, I'll leave. <laughs> After 25 years of doing this, I could still do it better. So I went to two days of training so I could learn about how to do it better. Why? Because I want to grow. This growth is not just for some of us, it's for all of us, myself included. And I need to set an example for you. I'm not going to grow just by sitting there. But notice also, we grow not just for ourselves, we grow so we can can help other people. By now you ought to be teachers, by now you ought to be helping others. He doesn't say get smarter just for you. We get smarter in the faith, we grow in what we understand, so we can help others. We work in the church, not just so we can be working in the church and be busy, we're serving others. That's what it means to be a worker. It's not selfish. It ought to bother us that we're not learning more for ourselves. But it really ought to bother us even more that we're not learning more to help other people. We're staying ignorant. We don't care that we're staying ignorant. And that keeps us from helping other people where they are. That's selfish. Bottom line. Are you content with where you are today? How you're not growing, staying dull in your spiritual hearing, dull and sluggish in your spiritual life. God loves us where we are, but God loves us so much He doesn't want us to stay there. You see, if one of your children was just comfortably living considerably below his potential, would you be okay with that? Oh, Pastor, I would love my child no matter what. Well, good, of course you should. That wasn't the question. The question was not, do you love your child? The question is, would your love for your child want cause you to want them to do better? To rise to more of their potential. Now, how is God any different? What kind of love would it be to say, well, I just love my child, I don't care if he ever gets a job. I don't care if he ever can take care of himself, I just love him. That's not love. Well, God's the same way with us. He doesn't just say, well, I love you, I don't care what's going on in your life, do whatever. God wants better for us. God accepts us and loves us where we are, but he pushes us and says, you can do better. Are we there yet? Obviously we're not. 
But the question is not, are we there yet? The question is, are we even trying to get there yet? See, with kids, they can be annoying when you go on a trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Shut up. We'll get there when we get there. Right? But how many of us are sitting in the driveway with the car in park, the engine not even turned off? Are we there yet? No. We have no intention to even get there. Just constantly sitting in the driveway. And every Sunday, week after week, we come, we sit in church and say, I ain't getting there, but that's okay. That ought not to be okay with us. God deserves better. God did not give us life in Christ so we can say, thank you, God. God gave us life in Christ so we could grow up in our life in Christ. Let's pray.